Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, thanks. So I guess we'll start by um, having you introduce yourself to our guests. Hi, I'm Gina Hoke. I own Canamama Clinic. That's pretty much well, it. <laughs> welcome. Happy October. Happy October. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I just first start by asking my guests what's their very first experience with cannabis way before the professional cannabis um, stuff came into the picture. What was your very first experience with cannabis? That was a long time ago. Um, the so I I I was at like a little party in a park, and I had a few of the homies, a few guy friends, that were doing something, but I wasn't quite sure what they were doing. So I was like, went over there and asked them what they were up to, and they're like, "Hit it, Gina, hit it." <laughs> That's pretty much all she wrote. I was um I think that was the summer of seventh grade. Oh, nice. And so you obviously enjoyed that experience then. It was good for you. Yes, I did. I was, you know, I joke about it, but I was like hooked instantly. I, I, I never went back. Well, I love that. So you had this, I guess, maybe a spiritual awakening or was it just an awakening once you started using cannabis? Is that fair to say? Um, I just, I did. I felt very connected to it and I enjoyed the way I felt and, um, I, I never have had a negative experience that turned me away from wanting to use it all the time. And it wasn't until I got older, though, that I realized it was medicine. So you know, it was very recreational and just teen use and stuff like that until I really educated myself and started to understand dosing. And so it take us to professionally, what brought you to cannabis professionally? Or did you love it so much that you just made it your career? Is that kind of how it manifested or? Um, no, I mean, I, I started selling, you know, weed. I didn't call it cannabis back then, but I started, <laughs> I started selling pot in the high school when I was oh, nice. 16 years old. And um, I had a pretty thriving business all the way. You know, this was when it was very illegal still. And um, my fiance and I actually sold pounds of marijuana illegally um, for many, many years. And we were one of the first people that did have like registered uh, dispensary here in the state of Colorado. So um, I'm actually in the Amendment 64 archives. And oh cool yeah so it's kind of it's a very long history of going from just a little stoner kid to <laughs> selling some weed in high school to actually turning it into a very lucrative illegal business and then switching it over to the legal side so i it, it's a very long history actually and so what was the transition from illegal to legal? Was there kind of some hiccups along the way or was it pretty smooth? No, it was terrible, actually. Oh. <laughs> um, and, you know, when when the laws changed and, you know, forgive me, it's been so many years now, I don't recall exactly what year it was, but I believe it was like 2010. Um, but they changed the requirements for like who could have licensing um, or dispensaries and at that 
time and I don't honestly I don't know if it's still the way it is because I don't own a dispensary anymore but at that time um they changed the law to where like if you had any convictions for cannabis prior and this was like selling convictions I believe prior to your dispensary opening you basically lost your license and it was really an unfortunate time because I mean you could have like an attempted murder charge and you could open a dispensary but you couldn't have a cannabis charge and open a dispensary so we um my partner who is my ex-fiance my son's bio donor um he (laughs) (laughs) he has many charges and cannabis was one of them so we basically lost our dispensary at that time oh wow and so was there no recourse that you could kind of chase after to have that kind of air in the law fixed or not really for me at that point i lost interest so yeah i get it yeah, I basically left the um, industry for a few years between that time because I was like, you know, there was so much personal drama between me and my son's father and, you know, he had addiction issues with opiates and, you know, the laws changing and then I had my edibles company and I was kind of trying to figure all that out and also they tighten the regulations for kitchens and things at the same time so I kind of lost that business and I just... I was like, yeah, this is overwhelming. I'm out, you know, because honestly, when they made those regulations, it was kind of a sink or swim time for a lot of companies. And um, if you didn't have a lot of money, a lot of backing, a lot of experience, a lot of people just failed. And I was one of them. <laughs> ah, but and, and so that's terrible that the legislation, that's kind of what we have in Canada right now is that a lot of those businesses aren't being recognize as well or they've lost their business to big corporations right yeah basically so then where did you go from there sorry i have puppies here so if you can hear them uh, fighting each other (laughs) actually i was trying to hide in my car to keep it nice and quiet but i couldn't get connected with my cell phone so i had to come inside so if you hear kids or husbands or anything like that are not husbands i only have one husband i met (laughs) (laughs) no no worries that you know the whole nine in the background too so no no worries um i there was a lull like i i didn't do much in cannabis from i guess it would be like let me think really quick probably 2011 i guess would have been when we i kind of shut everything down and then um Let's see, it was 2015 when I opened Canamama Clinic. And that was after I wrote a blog that was published by Ladybud Magazine and then it went viral. So that kind of thrust me back into the industry and I, I had no anticipation. I wasn't trying to get back in the industry. I didn't have any intention of selling the plant or touching the plant. I still do not. Um, but I did get into the education side of it and the advocacy side again. So, and I've been doing that since 2015 now. And so you said you wrote a blog and it went viral. So what was the blog about? Yeah. So it was called, uh, Canamama's, oh goodness. I can't, I can't remember what I titled it. Canamama's, uh, need the right to breastfeed or something like that. They did. Oh, they have- Oh, okay. Idol <laughs> published it, so um, I don't re- quite recall. And unfortunately, the 
online magazine that published it is no longer up. Like they only have, I think like 10 or, or you know, a dozen blogs and mine wasn't one of them that made the cut. So um, it's, you can't access it anymore on there. But it was about my experience um, having or giving birth to my second child, my daughter Lillian and having felt very discriminated against during that time. Um, I, yeah, I basically everything after that, I think it was like a year later that I wrote the blog, um, post and just told him my experience of trying to get medical care and my pregnancy and everything. And I really didn't expect for it to take off the way it did, but yeah, apparently there were a lot of women that felt the same way. And so you kind of touched on that you felt discriminated during your pregnancy but why because of the cannabis or and just like with my doctor and as a woman in general because um you know a lot of women uh have ptsd complications simply because of our experiences being women right so i did touch on that in my article and touch on how many of us need to use cannabis for various ailments that aren't even pregnancy related that we have basically our our medication of choice is questioned because all of a sudden we get pregnant and then they're like okay well you're pregnant now you can't use cannabis because it's illegal and we don't trust it and here's all of these other medications with known negative side effects oh wow that's really the the crux of like my argument with being a cannamama is that I should be able to choose my medicine at all stages of life, not and then not be discriminated for that choice during pregnancy or while I'm breastfeeding. Because and, no no other is other women get to choose their medicine and they're not told that they lose that choice simply because they become pregnant. And so no one actually like took action like CPS or anything like. Oh, I've been dealing with CPS off and on uh, for, let's see, six years now, I guess, since my daughter was born. (laughs) Okay. And so in your state, CPS is? Child Protective Services. Sometimes they call it DCSF, which would be like Department of Children's Services and Families, Um, you know, I think that's what it like right now. I'm like having a brain fart. My my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All those acronyms. I'm so, like okay. So then these people become involved in your life. Um, correct. The birth of your daughter. Correct. And, and so how did they come into your life? Oh, and that's kind of what I wrote about too. Was um, it was really rude. I mean, it was just so traumatic, and it ruined my birth experience with my daughter. Uh, um, and I feel like a lot of women, mamas, have the same experience I did where you're wanting to have this beautiful moment and then government officials come in and start scaring you. Um, and that was my experience. We, my husband and I, we um, were basically told we couldn't leave until we spoke to certain people. And then, you know, it's this long amount of time before someone comes back and my husband was starting to be like 
should I try to escape with her? I'm like, yeah, that's that's not gonna help us. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't blame him, right? Like totally, because we didn't know what was gonna happen, um, and none of that happened with my son, which is actually pretty bizarre because he was born in 2005, prior to legalization, and honestly, I had a lot more difficulty with um, medical staff and the government, you know, child protective services after legalization with my two pregnancies after so um yeah it's disheartening wow yeah. it was really difficult because basically right after i had my daughter lillian i started to hemorrhage and so i was in a different difficult state already you know i was yeah. fighting my life yeah. um, and then right after they got me stable a nurse came into the room and kind of thrust a plastic cup in my hand and was like get up and go pee i i obviously had been put through something major still bleeding and i had just been stitched up and sh i did i she made me hobble to the bathroom and go to the restroom and like hand them back up full of blood <laughs> to test me for cannabis that they knew i was gonna um have in my system i mean i i had already admitted that i used and so in their perspective it was as if you were a drug addict because you were using cannabis while you were pregnant exactly exactly and, i mean they treated you like you were having like but and so but when your daughter was born she was perfectly fine correct yeah she i mean actually to the point where the staff at the moment of her birth commented on her excellent muscle tone i mean my husband still like brags about that she had excellent muscle tone yeah. Aww. well and they usually say that can of babies are uh, like above average like above most kids so what was the problem then there other than the fact that i had come in um i guess it would have been like two weeks prior for some asthma condition like i'm an adult but i still have asthma um but i really just couldn't breathe because i was so huge i didn't realize my lungs were just being compressed by the baby and everything i was like i was fine you know i wasn't even having an asthma attack i was just like get this baby out of me and then you know they do the regular questions that they ask and they asked me if I would consume cannabis and I just answered and the nurse at that visit actually turned me in and flagged my file and so is that something that the state has put in place then to like look for mothers who use cannabis during pregnancy then you think or, well, or just a cross lady like just malicious or I mean it depends you know like so or both <laughs> Exactly, both. So professionally, I tell women that I um, do consultations with and on my social media to help women fight this stuff, you know, I tell them they should be calling ahead of time anonymously and making sure they really understand the policies of their doctor, of the staff, and of the hospital because there's a lot of teams that work together and that might have different policies so it might be a lot of phone calls or email or, I, I, not email I don't know why I actually said that because whatever <laughs> but a lot of phone calls I always tell them to call you know because you can block it or whatever and kind of protect your identity a little bit better yeah. but um obviously you could write from an e anonymous email as well but it is kind of tough to get those 
answers out of them but i say be persistent and find out and make sure you know what exactly what you're getting into because different places have different rules different states different counties different hospitals and it that you know you really just need to know what environment you're in to protect yourself and your baby the best and so do you like say that mothers should be open with that or is it just pending if they feel comfortable kind of if you feel comfortable i mean i i tell women to please seek out professionals that lean towards um cannabis legalization and just acceptance um because why would you want to go to somebody that's going to persecute you for your choice right so it's always better to be able to be honest with your provider but unfortunately a lot of women cannot so did they test your baby for cannabis or anything like that or um so for Lillian I then this is actually kind of interesting I thought um I for the longest time I thought she tested negative and I really believed that I even wrote it in my blog and it wasn't for a few years later that I combed through my medical records that I found that she actually did test positive so um yeah she tested positive I tested positive and then with my latest daughter I have an eight-month-old I declined testing this time obviously six months later I learned a lot more and became a lot more confident in my stance and my ability to stand up for myself and I declined testing so we don't have rec- we don't have any levels on on violet so is that the reason why CPS then got involved is because the hospital did this test and found THC in the baby system then um so correct for Lillian but they also got involved because I declined testing so it's kind of a um basically it was like damn if you do damn if you don't like I was gonna have CPS notified either way oh Um, is at the discretion of the social worker which is um to me is not a good thing because obviously that's a lot of power to give to one person and so in the united states and also like when you're talking from county to county to county and how laws and policies change um you know that's just a lot of power to give to individuals over people's lives i agree and i think that those individuals don't have the proper legalistic training to be able to truly grasp the magnitude of what they do to families and the way in which they put them into a system that will discriminate and stigmatize and separate and treat them with bias and you're you're absolutely right that i think that because that's the way it is in canada too and that that's gross that really is because they don't get the training i know in canada they don't that they're just given this power and they're not given the true education on how to use that properly because here again in your case because the baby tested positive for thc well so what if you would have a medical condition would that be a different story or would that be the same type of discrimination really yeah i mean because it's still illegal they don't not not to say that the cannabis is illegal but they still look at it as like breaking the law to do drugs because it's still a federally um you know you know what i mean like there's so many complications about it because 
CPS, even though it'll be from county to county, it still has federal mandates that they have to meet and um, abide by. And so they still look at cannabis even in states where it's legal as a federal drug. And so it just depends on the county. Like for me, I've dealt with them so many times that they really just don't mess with me anymore. I, I'm not, not to say that they don't still investigate me, but it's always open and shut. So like I had the same social worker for I think the last three investigations. I want to say the last three. Maybe it was only two, but I know it was more than one. But and she was great. She was so nice. Like I really respected her and her time and everything. Like what she tried to do for my family because she made it as easy as possible. You know, and like she had to do her job, but it was she didn't want to. Um, infringe on our rights or so she treated you fairly i felt so yes exactly. oh that's awesome yeah. and that is awesome and she did have she did actually have quite a bunch of training and degrees behind her but that was not always the case like i've dealt with other social workers that were like really tough to get through the process um and especially when i first started out because so in like 2000 i guess would have been 15 or 14 was the first time I guess it would have been 14 so 2014 is when I did dealt with the hospital social worker but it wasn't the case wasn't passed off until later when I started doing the advocacy publicly I had at least two investigations because of things I said online <laughs> okay so someone makes a complaint then they come and they they knock on your door and they say we're here to investigate and do you let them into your home or do you just make them stand on the front doorstep? How does that work? So, um, yeah, uh, they actually call me now. They just oh, okay. like, hi, it's us again. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making light of it, but it is kind of like that at this point because I, I can't, I've had about one a year since 2014 or 15, at least one. So, um, and through two different counties, so, <laughs> um, they'll call me and they'll just, say you know we got another um report and we need to see your children so that's the first thing is that in this state they do have and that, that might be nationwide i don't really know like i'm not an expert as far as what all the laws are statewide i never ever claim to be like anytime yeah. i a, um, a client i let them know like it's your job your due diligence to either mm -hmm. hire a lawyer or find out what's going on in your area but for my area like we have a basically 48 hours where um the social worker has to put eyes on the child so i have either met them somewhere and allowed them to see my kids or sometimes they've gone to the kids school without my permission and pulled my children out of school um there has been a couple times that i've let them in my home like the last one like i said i i did end up creating like a good relationship with her so like she was welcome in my house whenever she wanted to I don't care um but now I do just kind of let them in because I really don't have anything to hide I'm like you already know I consume cannabis you know I consume cannabis in front of my children you know that my children know everything about cannabis like they're gonna tell you or at this point they also know that my oldest will straight up lie to their face <laughs> he, he's so tired of it that he's just like leave me alone you know he's 15 he doesn't want to deal with them anymore um so yeah it's it's kind of 
a mixture to answer your question. I've done, I've done it all. I've declined it. I've met them in other places. I've allowed them in my home, but I do advise, you know, that people be aware of their rights and exercise them. If they don't want them in their home, it, it there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, meet me at a coffee shop or meet me at um, my aunt's house or like, you know, a neutral place, like whatever. Hmm. And so for the most part, do you think that the social workers who investigate these reports do it in good faith or have you run into some that are kind of overzealous with power and out to get a cannabis smoker or not so much? I have never met one that I felt like they were just out to get me, um, okay. but I only had clients who did. Yeah. You, 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 I don't know if you're aware, but I actually testified with the state, like with CPS. They contacted me and asked me to work with them before special Senate committee um, a few years ago. They were trying to get a law passed to basically say that, and I, I'm going to mess up the wording because it was so long ago, but basically they wanted to have more freedom to ignore cannabis cases. Yeah. And so they were telling the Senate, you know, if you pass this law, listen to this woman, listen to us. We've, we've got heroin. We've got kids being sexually abused, neglected. We've got all of these other things that we don't have enough people to handle these kids that are really being harmed. Like we do not want to investigate these women and families that are being uh, reported for cannabis. Oh, wow. We lost. <gasps> what? Uh, yes, and uh, we were actually challenged by people within the industry. So it, it's a lot of politics there, but... Um, That's yeah. terrible, hey? <laughs> but the people in the industry, why would they fight against that, though? Um, well, their position was that it was discriminatory in ways against other groups. So, like I said, there was a lot of politics there, and, you know, mm -hmm. I necessarily agree with that position I only came to testify basically to let the senators know like um, I'm one of the people that have been investigated and after the investigations over they're like well this was a big waste of our time meanwhile there's children that absolutely need help um, in mm -hmm. fact I think it was last year or the year before I'm sorry I can't remember but my my, my child's only been in school two years so <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Or no, it was her third year. So I think it was last year or the year before. It was it was not her first year. Um, but the principal told me when CPS contacted her about my family and about the cannabis stuff, she was pissed off because she said she's had a couple of students that were in need of um their assistant, of a state's assistance. Like she's like, these kids are being neglected, they're not even eating. Right, their only meal they're getting is at school. They weren't, they Aww. weren't coming to school clean. Like, uh, uh, various problems that obviously the state needed to intervene, and she couldn't yeah. get them help. And she was mad. She's like, "You, your family, you're always here in the school. Your kids are always adorable. Like, my daughter always comes with like little dresses and her hair all done. Like, obviously, we fuss over my children. Like, I, I try to be a good mom. Like, I care about my kids." the last I'm, I'm not the type of person that needs CPS and um, that was basically what the principal said she was really upset 
And so did her, like, I guess, opinion or, like, have any weight with anyone? Did anyone listen to her by, like, her, did she go to anyone and voice these concerns? I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know about that answer. I mean, I'm sure she talked crap knowing that principle. I'm sure she said something. <laughs> but even you, the the CPS workers at this point, you know, the one from last year or whatever, they, they knew we weren't, we were on good footing that it was just like an open and shut thing. They just needed to see the kids, talk to them real quick. And then like, that was it. It was over. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really does suck whenever cannabis consumers and families and people that were literally just using it for medicine, like you asked earlier, like, what about other conditions? And we're talking PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, a host of other things. We're not even getting into epilepsy or really serious, um, not not to say depression, anxiety is not serious, but I'm talking like physically debilitating um, conditions that people consume cannabis for. Although, I, I mean, again, anxiety can be physically debilitating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Any disability to can be to, you know, you I, know yeah, I, like, like, I'm not yeah. trying to minimize anyone. On, on the contrary, I'm actually yeah. trying to say like people find cannabis to treat themselves for a variety of concerns. And the next thing you know, you have the government who on one hand, it's legal in, in states or um, areas of the country. And then on the other hand, you have investigations for families that are compliant with the law. So... <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, I guess, is there other people, like, in your kind of area that have, like, experienced the same? Or is it just because you're vocal about cannabis and activism and stuff? So it's almost become a political thing. It's totally a political thing, I feel like, for me personally. But, yeah, it's it's a problem. That's primarily what I do as far as talking with clients and, and other women is helping them just get through it in their area or um, just wherever. It's because this is not even just in the USA. I know you're in Canada. Um, I've talked to women in UK and other countries, Mexico, South America, um, all over Where, wherever people are using cannabis, they're afraid. They're afraid of the government taking their kids over it right and or at least interfering in their lives scaring them causing them you know mental stress etc so and so in terms of um like when you were pregnant you used cannabis for your ailments and so you obviously use a variety of different cannabis products mm, not or just one certain way. <laughs> I'm pretty old school. I used to be just like a joint blunt kind of girl. I really smoke a lot of bowls now. But no, I mean, I don't get very fancy with it. I throw a while. <laughs> I tried a lot of different products, especially when I was going to a lot of conferences. And when I first um, opened Cannamama Clinic and started going public that way but lately I'm pretty much just a smokable kind of girl I think um through my whole pregnancy with Violet who's eight months old I think I pretty much just stuck to smoking bowls and hitting the blunt every once in a while I know I know people are always like really like you don't dab you don't use lotions you don't this I'm like well it's not that I don't it's just that I don't like prefer it 
yeah maybe you don't feel you need to and that's okay so at the end of the day though have you ever um looked into the jamaica longitude study where mamas had um smoked cannabis during absolutely uh melanie drear that was a it's a very long study and it was a good one but you know a lot of people don't take it seriously because of discriminatory Mm -hmm. reasons so but I like that study because it just showed that all of those babies in that study were healthy and they were above all the other kids that were considered normal. They were always like heftier, healthier, happier, totally. which really doesn't surprise me <laughs> because what's your thoughts on, I guess, activating the endocannabinoid system in the womb? That's why I think that it's very smart to use cannabis while you're pregnant because you're activating your baby system where it may otherwise never be activated until they're a teenager. And also the deficiency issue. I mean, um, yeah. vitamin weed is a source to look at. It's a book written by um, Dr. Michelle and I'm like totally blanking on her last name right now and that's very embarrassing and I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I can't. That's okay. It's so much knowledge I, I, to know, but, though, right? Like, there's just yeah. So and if much. you Google it, like, it'll be really easy to find it. But what I'm what I'm kind of talking about, she talks about the whole uh, deficiency in the endocannabinoid system and stuff. And you know, like, I'm not a I'm not a doctor or scientist in that way, but I do feel confident in my choice, and, and I've never feared the outcome as far as. Um, well, I guess that's not quite true. When I was pregnant with my son, I was still very much afraid of the negative like the reefer madness and all of the negative um, scare tactics but I was more afraid of losing my pregnancy because I was high risk and I was threatening miscarriage so like I chose cannabis at that time to help me not lose my baby and then after that time and it worked I quit smoking delivered him but then I started smoking while I was breastfeeding and I would get a little bit nervous. And like, am I hurting my baby? Is, does he know that I'm high? Like weird stuff, right? Like I was 23, but now as an adult and with everything I've learned, you know, I've done studies with um, Dr. Thomas Hale and Dr. Teresa Baker out of UT Texas um, Tech. Um, and that one was all lactation. That, that studies on YouTube, we did a panel at the Cannabis Research Institute at CSU Pueblo a couple years ago. And so that one is like the final thing that I was like, well, everything I felt about what I was doing and saying, like now I know, you know, like it's trace amounts and I'm comfortable with that because I don't feel like cannabis harms you. It is, it's medicine and it it has so many positive benefits because if you're deficient in if your endocannabinoid system is deficient it there are so many illnesses that can manifest from that oh for sure and especially in kids too. i believe so yeah just how you were describing all of your concerns when you with your first child i like those are totally legitimate like i would have had the same thoughts of um like when breastfeeding and stuff so i think that most women would think you know but you've obviously proven to yourself that your gut instinct was right right like that you were helping your child i think 
by allowing them access to cannabinoids? Um, yeah, I do mostly because of time and the sheer number of women I've spoken with. I mean, we're talking now, it's been five years. I, I probably feel comfortable saying 10,000 women, you know, when we were talking about the groups that I've run and all the people that have contacted me and we did do, we conducted one, sur- no, two surveys, one on pregnancy, one on breastfeeding and even just the results of women responding. Everybody feels pretty much the same way. That's why we, as Kahanamongs, like the Kahanamom community, we really, um, we want the studies, you know, we're not hiding. We're like, yeah, please study me, like study my kids, tell the world this is a good alternative to big pharma that we know has these negative side effects during pregnancy, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like it's just one of those anecdotal things. Like I'm like, oh, well, my kid's fine, so go do drugs. Like that is not what we're saying. It's been years and years of evidence mounting up and research and studies and um, talking to women and and healthy children. We're <laughs> like, like, there's all of these children that have, um, you know, cannabis deficiencies or like negative effects caused by their moms consuming cannabis while pregnant or breastfeeding. Where are they? Where are the schools yeah. and where, like, is shouldn't the classes be filled of all of the babies that were terribly abused by us mamas? You know, it's just not. It's not happening. It doesn't exist. Well, and I think at one point in time, weren't they suggesting that using cannabis would cause birth defects? And like, again, where are these babies with these ranks? Exactly, defects? and they still say that. There's still studies coming out, or like, not studies necessarily, but articles written about us. <laughs> Um, and saying the same thing like beware you could be messing up your kid it's very frustrating because it's a lot of like I I said before like that reefer madness stuff just scare tactics trying to control people and uh, and I think it's wrong especially because I think it's sexist too the fact that we're women and and, um, you know we're the ones experiencing pregnancy and breastfeeding and we should be able to choose the medicine that's most effective for whatever reason we're taking the medicine even if that's to relax you know tell me a mom does not have the right to relax right we know the the wine moms get applauded but you know if you're talking about smoking a joint or you know rolling up whatever it's everybody it's hypocritical it it is. is and also the fact that they're like well okay you can smoke cannabis but go hide I, I'm not gonna do that. Like my kids know I'm gonna sit out on the front porch and enjoy a bowl while I watch them play the same way, you know, a guy will crack open a beer on a Sunday and watch football in front of his kids. Like I'm not gonna hide. Nor should you ever have to. And so what's the perception from other moms in terms of what you do and your like philosophies and stuff? Oh, that's changed over the years. I mean, as I'm smoking right now, excuse me. I'm <laughs> no, no right into the screen. Um, you know, like when my son was in preschool, I remember I always tell this story because I think it's hilarious. But <laughs> and he runs into their little 
like they had a little wooden shop created. It was really super cute, actually. And he flips open the sign. He goes, the dispensary's open. And oh my oh, yeah. gosh. Oh. We all had like my my husband, me, my grandmother, my um, uh, his bio donor, his biological dad. He said, we're all like, oh my God, did he just, oh God. We gotta hurry up and get out of here. Like we're so embarrassed because it was the beginning of legalization. Everybody's looking at us, and you know we were completely mortified. And now, it's I. You know, if I have to do anything at school, it's people know she's a cannabis lady. Like I'm not gonna hide it. I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm like that's their problem if they don't like it or care for what I do. It's not my problem. And so you don't think that other moms treat you differently? Like maybe in the beginning you think that they kind of did or not really? Have they been accepted? Um, I mean, I'm still like the young mom in some groups. Like for my son, I'm way younger than his peers' mothers. So like I don't really mesh well. It's not that I don't get along with them or anything, but like I don't, I wouldn't say, the, I don't know. I don't know if that is it. But you've never had any incidences where they've treated you poorly because of your choices for upcounting. I mean, it's hard to say. I have felt like, yes, that comes up. People look at me different. I mean, I have a, a big cannabis tattoo on my arm. I'm sleeved. You know what I mean? Like, they know my work. I, I but nobody says it. You know what I mean? You're just like, yeah. Maybe sometimes you can feel it, but that's good that they don't like openly kind of like. Yeah. You know, like, I guess, I guess PTA moms could be mean Exactly. <laughs> I think it's more of just being snubbed. You know what I mean? So it's not yeah. like, they didn't really actually have the guts to say it to my face, but they'll just snub you. And that's kind of hard to say, well, maybe they just don't like me too. Maybe it has nothing to do with cannabis. And so <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, that's a hard question to answer. But I, I've been in this community for so many years that of course I felt ostracized by the mainstream during the time many times at some point um because I, I've been a stoner in high school I was like you know the young mom tattooed in the cannabis industry with a dispensary you know before people were lined up there every weekend <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, it, it is one of those weird things, but I, I'm fine with it. Honestly, I'm fine with it. I, I guess the most recent thing that happened that I could say that I absolutely felt awkward um, was at my son's high school. It, we had some issues with cannabis and him <laughs> as a friend. <laughs> and so when I had to go in and talk to them about it and basically explain to them, like, I don't condone my child using cannabis i definitely don't condone him selling weed um so like then they're like well sure you don't you smoke weed around him every day and i'm like well yeah but you know what i mean i don't know what it really how to go about that and one of the deans did say and i'm like well i just don't think this is that serious like Yes, I get it. He violated the rules or, you know, y'all see cannabis as being like super bad, whatever. But I do not. Not that I condone teen use, but teens are going to do what they're going to do. Right. I'm not going to. 
I'm not going to make it World War III in my house because my son's made some choices that I may or may not agree with, but I don't think are harming him per se. And then she responded, well, it is a big deal here, and I just want to make sure that that is clear. (laughs) And I was like, alrighty then, (laughs) ma'am. That was one of the Aww. that was one of the times recently that I was like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure they hate the fact that I'm pro cannabis, whatever. And so is that still kind of like the climate there of um, they are like anti cannabis, even though like you live in a legalized state? No, like everybody does cannabis. You drive down the street and there's like oh cannabis like a Starbucks, but when it comes to schools and their policies, like they still treat cannabis pretty harshly. Like there's no tolerance. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. There's no tolerance. I mean, they don't even have tolerance for like, you know, Tylenol. They're, they just, they don't want kids doing drugs at school. And I get it. They don't want kids doing drugs. I get it. I support that. But at the same time, I'm not gonna lie to the administrators and be like, you know, I'm anti-cannabis because I'm not. So, yeah, that was an option. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, and the fact that you shouldn't even have to make that determination, like, you know, that if you support it or not support it, that's your personal choice. Like, for them to try and, like, look down on you as a mother in some regard, it's kind of sheepish. <laughs> but I guess that's their choice. Well, and it's their jobs, too, you know? They're... Goes back to that government role, and I mean, they're mandatory recorders. So, after there was one of the times after an incident with my son at school that I was mandatory reported. So, you know, it's literally just what I've been going through (laughs) for six years. I ever, I feel like every six months or so, I have somebody up our asses about being a cannabis family. And I just like so I guess at the end of the day it's just to justify someone's job somewhere or really if you think about it because it's ultimately useless these reports and these investigations well it's certainly a poor use of resources you know I I continue to go back to the children that slip through the cracks that need that help that those hours yeah. could have kept them from being abused saved them time in a neglectful household like etc like to me why would you waste such scarce resources on people who don't need them yeah so recently i saw on your facebook that you were fundraising i am (laughs) and so tell me about that so yeah actually that's i haven't really been doing much industry about the last two years because I did have a baby and got pregnant and I decided I was just not going to do much. I wanted to lay around and gestate. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to do was just be pregnant and so I haven't been doing much. Um, and then in the last month or two I've kind of come back with a bang. I, I'm involved with some BS at Denver Public Schools. Um, it started I guess, well it's been going on for a few years, but my son, it's it's kind of, it's complicated. My son was afraid, you know, of what would happen to him if mom started challenging things that, although I challenged them behind my screen, I wasn't doing it 
in real life. Like I knew things were happening at his school. They were having um, certain uh, like assemblies and changing of culture and expectations, but I just kept looking the other way, looking the other way. Um, last year, however, in my son's biology class, and now he's honors biology, he was freshman, they showed a Teen Vogue video that, I mean, it was just like complete anti-science. And it really pissed me off because anybody that's been following me for some time also knows that I'm a hardcore feminist. Um, and I fight for sex-based rights of girls, women, and same-sex attracted people. And so um, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I made a complaint to the school district, but more on a, a just the teacher and principal level. I didn't go to the board or anything like that. And we got an apology. The teacher said she was sorry or he, I can't even remember if it was a male or female at this point, but apologized to the students. Everything seemed to be like, okay. Then COVID happened, everything's been different. Um, we've been at home, whatnot. And it, everything's been on social media, but I recently found out that some policies that I disagree with did pass. You know, I, like I said, I was pregnant, not paying attention to much, to much and gave birth. Um, but like literally the week I gave birth policies that I disagree with and did pass. And, um, also a man who I did not want to see elected got elected and he has been keeping promises. I mean, I guess that's one thing to say for him. He's keeping his promises, but, um, the promises he's keeping are completely, in my opinion, sexist, homophobic um anti-constitutional and i wrote a letter to the denver public school board it was super long i cited the hell out of it it wasn't just me like complaining that you know i want it my way i am coming from a position where i am actually super concerned for the students and families at D denver public schools um their response was less than uh, it was rude and indicative of basically everything that I said that I was concerned about they responded in that manner to me and I was irate um, so long story short I've hired so, so they basically said you were a bigot for <laughs> voicing that biology is destiny is that kind of how um, it went yeah, I mean, they're, they told me that this is policy and that I don't really have a choice, that it was passed. The, I think the first resolution they said passed in 2018. This last one was here in 2000 or 20. Um, but, and, and yes, basically that my children were assigned a gender at birth and that they are cis and that we don't know discrimination, basically. And um, and that these policies are put in place to protect children. Which I disagree with because I feel like it's actually hurting the children that they're saying they're trying to protect, but also the community at large as well. And so I have hired a lawyer um, and I'm 
just gonna start taking the steps. I don't really know what that means yet. So right now my attorney is the national, the Colorado National Republican Committee man. And obviously it's election time. <laughs> They're really busy. <laughs> so we're kind of on pause as far as like, I'm not really like pressing them to do anything right now. Um, but we, are going to be taking steps to challenge what we can with the policies because we feel like um, Denver Public Schools is compelling speech and belief systems from all families, regardless of how we feel about it. And they're doing that under the guise of inclusivity saying and that is basically when I finally wrote the letter was there was a post from Tay Anderson that said to be most inclusive to be a good person to be a good school this is how we should speak to each other use pronouns and I'm like hell no we're not doing that so um and that's that's what I'm doing right now I I haven't really been doing anything else my pages my cannabis pages are dry I haven't posted to Instagram for almost a year or a full year. I haven't posted to Facebook maybe in like once a month, if that, maybe longer, as far as my cannabis pages. I just, it it has not been my priority. I can't care about cannabis when like we're losing our ability to speak about our oppression. And and that's that's all I'm doing right now. And so, in your opinion, how is, like, womanhood being erased by these policies? Do you find that? Um, yeah, so we call it female erasure, to be more specific. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. There's actually books written about it under that title and that theory of female erasure. So, it's kind of the idea that, well, like, in the United States, in the 1964 Civil Rights Act, we have a protected class of sex. And... Almost every um, anti-discrimination law or policy to protect women has been on the basis of of that anti of the Civil Rights Act, um, and so even deeper than that, even outside of the law, like how can we explain what happens to women if if there's no way to name us? Because right now it's all the rage it's trendy it's um progressive people consider it progressive i consider it extremely regressive but to say trans women are women and you're basically manipulating language because you're saying men who identify as trans are women what the what does that even mean (laughs) and if you can't have a word that just stands for adult human female and even men are trying to use the word female like how can we talk about ourselves as a group as a class of people that have unique needs and issues if we cannot speak like even what I'm doing right now I'm like running in circles trying to speak because it's become wrong to say that women are women Right? Yeah, and if you say anything otherwise, you're a bigot. I'm a turk. And you're not, and and you're canceled if you. Oh, I I am canceled, girl. (laughs) 
Are you? I didn't know that. But <laughs> I didn't re- like. I didn't realize that that it's you know like and then you have these um, men in dresses attacking you online, saying to suck their dick and ha- all these heinous things that they're gonna beat a turf and it's just basically violence against women legalized. Really, Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely. And then this whole notion of self ID, like I know in Canada in Saskatchewan, the province that I live in. Um, we have a female judge who actually allowed for self ID now, like I could change on my like birth card that I'm a male by not having to have surgery, no proof, just by saying that I feel like I'm a man. Or it's a the same in Denver. Wow. It is the same in Denver. And I mean, this is part of the stuff I'm trying to fight even on a local level. So I am just one person, we're just one family, but I mean, I've told my kids, refuse. Refuse to play along at school. We have to stand up and stop pretending um, because it's it's not just to be nice anymore. You know, it's not like I, I wasn't always like this. So I hit peak trans in 2014 in November of 2014 to be exact. (laughs) And it was so traumatic of an experience because I lost my entire community. That's why I remember it like the exact month. It was right around Thanksgiving. Like it was a terrible time for me. Um, And the reason why is because I said that women deserve rape shelters that don't have men in them. And that was the first time I was attacked by trans activists because they were like, well, those aren't men, they're women. And I was like, what? Well, they have a dick. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? What are you even saying? And like, this woman was not laughing. She was disgusted by me. She was about 10 years younger than me. And we actually had grown to be quite good friends online. Um, She's from Perth, Australia. And wow it blew my mind i mean i'm telling you it changed my life because i had no idea that people believed this stuff or that they expected other people to believe this stuff or that they were trying to get it instilled in law or that they had made it law or that if you didn't believe it that you were a big bigot nazi um, you know, everything bad. You're the racist. Like, now you're a racist if you won't say that men are women. And for me, you know, I'm a political scientist and systems of oppression were my focus all through college. It's my passion. I I was like a geek in high school that made the diversity club. <laughs> you know, I cared about this stuff forever and ever. And now I'm being called a racist because I won't say that women have penises. So it's my hill. I'm here to die on it. And I don't care anymore what people think about me or what they'll say. And they will say it all. And they have, they, you know, the director, Tay Anderson, he, He has made several posts about me and my family on his social media. Now, this is a guy that was elected to represent my children. And he posted pictures of my children on his social media. I've had children that he's supposed to have been elected to lead then come after me and, like, harass me on my social media for, you know, days. 
until his until they forget about it and move on to the next thing and then he'll post about me again <laughs> so he's like you know it's just wild like he's making you become a target for harassment because of your beliefs and he's not accepting that you're entitled to your beliefs just as well as he's entitled to his beliefs that's the problem here is that these trans identifying people are saying women have to shut the fuck up and deal with what they're trying to put on the table. And it's only the select smart few women who are saying, no, 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 that's not true to my roots as a woman, just as you are doing, right? Like it is, it's like anti-woman to say that you can put on a dress as a man and therefore now you have the same experiences, same life expectations, et cetera, et cetera, as a woman. I mean, it's the ultimate patriarchy. You know, think yes. spent, what, a thousand, let's, let's just round up, a thousand years as being women trying to separate ourselves and say, no, we are someone separate of men. We don't need men to buy property. We don't need men to take us to the doctor and sign for the treatment that we need. I mean, there are so many things that we have fought for. Um, the right to work, you know, I could go on and on, you know, you, you, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, well, it's a personhood, right? And we're just expected to give up all of that history, all of that fight and include men in that fight, but they made us fight. Well, and think fight. of how quickly men were able to capture that back. How quickly men, it took us all of this time for women to separate ourselves and be seen as women, to be have our own sports and our own accolades and our own, our own, our identity. own identity. And then now in what, a generation, not even? Like how long has it really taken? I've watched, I've watched it just steamroll in six years. Men have completely destroyed women's rights, sex-based rights. There we have none. If a man and and this is what like it it drives me absolutely batty that I get asked this almost every time they say, Well, what sex-based rights? Or how does how does a trans woman accessing that space destroy women's rights and it i'm like do you hear yourself how if the space only for women and you add one man into it it's ruined it's like laundry right i got my whites you put a red sock in there what the hell happens to the whole thing well that's what happens to women's spaces when you add a trans woman and I'm not apologizing for that shit anymore. It fucking ruins it. It turns everything pink. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, so all those women, like I know in Canada and Vancouver, there was a rape shield center and there was a man, well, two men actually in dresses who are influential and in having their funding pulled because there was a man who was not permitted there because he was a man and had a negative effect on the women who were there. And they went all the way to court and all this and lost and then had to pay cost because they were- Are wrong. you talking about Morgan? Yes. He blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> He blocked me on Facebook because I like I would always check up on see what kind of quackery quackery he's up to now, right? And he just thinks he's the epitome of like women's advancements, and it's like uh, that's a problem. It's like 
no, you're not contributing. You're actually devaluing. Right. You ha- you're not advancing the rights of women. You're advancing the rights of men. In a dress. Or lipstick. Or, or, or maybe nothing, actually. Because I've seen, you know, pictures of obvious men. And even when they're in a dress, they're obvious men. But I mean, like, they're not even trying to pass. And then they say that they do not have to try to pass. And they still want access as women and to be seen as women. And I'm like, this is completely, it's abusive. First of all, it's gaslighting to sit there and say, you have to pretend along with me or else. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. And the thing is, is people forget to look at um, the actual crimes perpetuated and committed by these people who get into these female spaces and victimize women. So then at the end of the day, where is a woman's right to safety? There is no right to safety anywhere then if a man can be in a dress, in a woman's space, wherever he wishes because one day he identifies as a woman and he goes and he goes on a raping you know spree in these washrooms and who's to pay well, for it and, and what you're saying and I'm girls gonna, I'm gonna and kids to be like the trans activist right now oh my gosh you're so transphobic because you're saying that trans women are rapists and i'm like that is not what we're saying right we're saying how are women supposed to tell men from men and that men and male violence men have exploited everything i mean men have lied about being gay to access women and rape them men lie about being cops men lie about being teachers men lie men lie about being they'll do anything to access women and whoever they want to prey on um you know children and to expect us to just give up our safeguarding. And we don't really use that term in the United States, but we should. Um, To be able to say, we don't have the right to consent. It used to be, okay, if a guy pulled down his pants next to me and I saw his penis, that he would be in decent exposure. But now all he has to do is go into my gym locker room and say, well, I'm a trans woman. I'm like, but I didn't consent to see that. I didn't, and I don't, I shouldn't have to. I should have my right to sex-based privacy and dignity. And then it's the same people who are also going, me too, hashtag me too. And you're like, where the cognitive dissonance is outstanding there. To at one hand say women, come out, you know, tell us about your rape and tell us how you were mistreated and tell us about your um, harassment at work and what happened to you in order for you to advance in your career. And then also say, oh, but if you put up boundaries and say no to men who identify as trans or, you know, men who have feelings, you are a bigot. And I don't understand how those people rationalize the two. Well, and don't forget too, this like trans trend is really fueled by um, people in powerful positions. So all of this branding and um, media focus is just paid for. Like there's a study done in Canada that the government hid because it's it indicated that no one actually really gives a shit if you're transgender, but keep your hands off our laws. 
people cared about that and they totally suppressed it because it just showed that um trans people aren't at risk of like violence as women are just another thing that they tried they have tried to take from women well i mean most people don't realize that like denver public schools for instance will teach our children that women have penises yeah. don't realize what's going on they don't realize men are being housed in women's prisons or maybe they don't care because they're like oh well they're convicts um they don't realize men are being housed in women's tvs or that women's tv shelters just kind of don't exist anymore um we don't really have women's rape shelters the ones that exist are being terrorized like you brought up vancouver rape shelter earlier it's been terrorized by trans activists. Oh yeah, they paint turf on it and put like rats outside the doors and stuff, all because these ladies have been firm in sticking to their sex-based policies. Yeah, exactly. And so basically at the end of the day, what society is saying by that is that it's okay for men dressed as women in dresses to verbally abuse and harass just as they've been doing to you on social media and also these acts of violence like they're perpetuating violence against women in a a artless way and i would also say that they are grooming uh girls to ignore their judgment so you know you have generational trauma as women I feel like it's in our DNA, you know what I mean? When of male violence. Exactly. And, and to sit there and tell a girl that she is not allowed to know what she knows or else she's going to be outcast from her school, be told that she's a bad person. Like that's grooming. Okay, and then how about like these drag queens and these like hyper sexualized portrayals of women being able to go into libraries and have these touching roll on me on the floor kind of events and even police being like oh yeah that's okay because they've been um also bombarded even though they know in their gut that that's manifestly just gross but What do you think about like these types of events? Have you seen those happening in your area? Like these library events where they read? Oh yeah, and it's it's applauded by the far left. And I'm I can't help myself and wonder. And I am a left. I I I, I've always been a liberal. I am a liberal. I'm a liberal forced into an uncomfortable party because I uh, you know I'm voting for the only party that I feel is standing up for sex-based rights but yeah these progressive very lefty people in my neighborhood are like yes this is so cool can't wait to have them at our library <laughs> you're you're um, out of your fucking minds well and the thing is is like I think because of COVID those have kind of stopped but it seemed before COVID happened that it was getting it was just insane already the way that um these men in dresses were able to attack women online and just make these like outlandish allegations like um men have their periods and them taking laxatives so they crap themselves to the point where they're shitting blood so that they can mimic a period like in my mind that's a 
mental illness. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Did you see what I posted today about the pregnancy simulation and the stillbirth simulation? No, I should go um, and look at So, that. yeah, like this um, man who identifies as trans is took off work even so that he could give birth and then grieve the stillbirth because he's not having a baby and so yes sim- stillbirth simulation of men who identify as trans is like the height of disgust to me i just i don't understand what it's going to take for people to say okay this is not healthy this is not acceptable it's not appropriate it's offensive to women it's harmful to women and children like why do we all have to accept this as um, bigotry if we do not? Well, but it's not bigotry because if you look at the true definition of bigotry, it's not accepting the other side's um, like opinion or belief or whatever, and basically like saying they're wrong and yours prevails. So it's like that's what they're doing, and that's what men have always done to women: is like, no, we're right, you're wrong. And women have always had to fight this uphill battle against men. And so now it's like the ultimate betrayal, like wanting to be female when the creator has given you the ability to be a man, right? Like, I don't know if like, if you have opinions on that in terms of like creation and stuff, like, cause that's like artificial intelligence right like giving men wounds and all of this like that's not real that's like sci-fi stuff right well look who who look who finances it right (laughs) if look at martina um is it i think it's rothschild i can't remember the last name but like the richest woman trans woman i don't know he made the cover of uh, I want to say it was Rolling Stone a couple years ago. Um, he's put out his plan. I mean, it's not a secret, but people just either don't know or don't want to know. But yeah, you're 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 touching on something for sure, <laughs> sci-fi shit. <laughs> and I I feel like when we get to this part of the conversation, people are like, okay, these women are crazy, and I'm just like, well. I wish, I wish it was just me being crazy and that this wasn't really actually happening to women because that would be like a a better thing for the general population, right? It would just be all in my head. But unfortunately, it's not. It's like this is actually happening to women. It's gotten worse and worse. Like we have no rights left. And I find it interesting that people are terrified of losing abortion rights and not quite understanding what abortion rights are predicated on and how like there is no legal definitions of things if we can't even define women or sex like I yeah exactly how do you yeah that's how law works like words are pretty important in law and you just go switching around sex and gender identity and saying men can be women and then and that abortion is a doesn't well, exist. it's a men's rights issue too right so then if men vote and say well we don't want abortion well then how can there be any discrimination because men get pregnant too men have abortion too 
Like, it's just like going down this really crazy, like, place. Like, we have to have words to be able to speak and legislate and create policy and teach. And when you start to um, muddy all that, like, we can't even have a conversation because the whole idea of having a conversation is to exchange ideas. But there also has to be that mutual respect that, yeah, okay, you're entitled to your opinion, as are we, but with this cancel culture of women, no, we're not entitled to our opinion then because it's like, oh, you, you're saying that men can't be women? Okay, well, you're well, not, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, for me, I don't really care what they believe. Like, for me, they do whatever <laughs> they want. Because it's, it's, so, it's so far-fetched, and it's just like, it's like, come on, like, I just... And anyone who accepts that, it's like in good faith, that's probably the reason why the world is the way it is because people accept stuff like that as true. Well, they're afraid to stand up and say that, call someone a liar. Like that's what I'm finding a lot too, is just like this culture of um, hyper acceptance. You know, like Mm -hmm. you don't accept then you're this. And I'm like, well, wait, but that's a lie. Why do I have to say a lie in order to not be a bad person? Well, I think that's part of that whole media indoctrination and brainwashing. And that's just all with the trans trend too, right? Like it's hip and it's cool. And, and like, so I guess for me, it's like, what in your opinion is the solution to all of this? Like for me, it's like not turning back laws, that's for sure. But in a, like a social sense, like, cause I guess these people want to be like included, but it seems like, look at how they've just infiltrated this system so quickly and because they're men, right? <laughs> like, yeah. look at all these other causes that have been fighting for years upon years, look at cannabis and like convictions and st- stuff like that, I, right? It like, so be it- really a brilliant maneuver to hijack other civil rights movements and social justice movements, yeah. right? So first they started with the gay, lesbian, bisexual, then it was attached to the women's rights and then finally attached to BLM. Because now, like, I was all about BLM and then, excuse me, I'm, like, ready to cough. Um, and no worries. Now, if, if you don't, if black trans women are the most oppressed. And I'm just like, no, it just ruins the whole thing. <coughs> excuse me. It does. It it takes away from actual like black women's like like civil rights losses. Like it it doesn't make them any equaler. Like well, I just feel like if how can I now say if if that if I don't agree with trans ideology and now BLM has it on their website that you have to agree with trans ideology then I automatically can no longer support BLM or in reverse most people are afraid to do what I did and say well if you're going to go this route I can no longer support you so then they automatically are like okay cool well I, I, I now too support trans ideology so that's what I meant by like saying it was like super effective tactic 
to attach themselves to like everybody else's movement because now if you're pro if if you're not pro trans you're not pro women if you're not pro trans you're not pro black if you're not pro trans you're not pro gay you know what i mean and like so that's why it's so easy to say oh you're fighting for women's sex-based rights well you're i got called the incel of feminism the other day i thought that was actually really um creative i've been called a racist a homophobe and none of that stuff has anything to do with gender identity you know Uh, and so you experience that then this like turf like violence against you because you've been labeled a turf or whatever a cis or whatever they use um yeah absolutely i've definitely had um i've lost three pages because of trans activist attacks i've had them hope that my baby dies that was really nice i got a message that said that they hoped that i um because i was pregnant and they were saying that they hope my baby died um i get death wishes you know told you know, go die in a dumpster fire i hope you drown i hope your kids turn out to be trans that one's always nice like um you know one minute they're like oh to be trans is such a horrible experience we have to have such compassion for these kids they're gonna kill themselves and then the next minute they're like i hope that's your kid's experience like wow how nice of you um so yeah yeah i don't get that like the whole threatening suicide if they don't get their way but that's classic what domestic violence and they use it as a guilt trip constantly with me and i really might i I have a standard reply, like, I did not tolerate that shit from my ex who tried to pull it to abuse me and control my life. I'm not going to tolerate it from a confused teeny bopper. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not letting a teenager guilt trip me into compliance and conformity. Like, that's not happening. Well, but the thing is, is so at the end of the day, why isn't it that women can just be women and they can be who they want to be? Like, they're obviously trying to take some identity from us and change it. Like, why isn't it okay to be a woman, as it were, in a traditional sense, per se? Like, we, like, as a feminist, I know back in the day, we used to complain about gender roles and all of this. And like, holy cow, look at how like the climate has changed now and so you have to fight to continue to be a woman like wow but like what's what's the answer here like what's how how do we all be who we want to be and still accept diversity honestly i think it has to come from the trans activist side it can't come from women's side because look we are not here we are not we're not trans support humans we're not here to validate men who have feelings about being women. And so mm-hmm. if they don't accept that there is absolutely a hard line where we get space that they're not allowed to be and that they cannot destroy our rights to advance their validity, then we're at we're at, you know, we're at an impasse. It's going to be how long are you going to battle? Who's going to outlast each other? Because I'm not giving up. I'm not going to just lay down and say, okay, dude, you win. Well, I know in Saskatchewan, there's a class action in the works where 
the um, self ID stuff because I guess it's gotten carried away and little girls aren't allowed to be little girls anymore. That's like a woman. <laughs> you can't call yourself a woman. Like you can't have breasts. You can't have menstruation. You can't have all of these things that are just naturally biologically breastfeeding. Yeah. Bre- yeah, exactly. Breastfeeding. What is it? Chestfeeding now? Like, so it's like erasing all of these identities taken like are being taken from women why why is it always that we have to i shouldn't say we but society has to take from women because it's because it's male supremacy and i mean this is just another male dominance it really is they're just saying well we want this and so you have to give it to us and I'm the I'm gonna be here saying no, as however long that has to be. And that's where you said, well, where does it? What's the compromise? And I'm like, for me, we we had a pretty good compromise. Like just be nice, you know, be respectful. But that wasn't enough because then they decided they didn't need to be respectful of us. That we weren't being respectful of them unless we accepted them as women that we were literally here to validate their existence because that's what we get told all the time right we get told that we're denying the existence so then that means that the destruction of our right is literally how their existence is validated like you can't like (laughs) both sides of the equation have to be equal right so that's Mm-hmm. it's not fair they want all of the benefit and so I feel like that's just not acceptable that women do get to say no we get to have boundaries we get to have hard lines and we get to have rights that are sex based even Ruth Bader Ginsburg talked about it The whole her whole career was based on the, our right to like positively discriminate in our interests to reach equality like that's part of what equity building is you have to discriminate against the oppressed class at some point well sorry men you just can't be here sometimes this is for our interest this is for our protection this is for our privacy for our dignity and if y'all will stop raping us maybe we can think about it then and beating and beating financially abusing yeah let us just work without telling us we're sexy like all the things and so i guess going forward you said that you're digging your heels in and you're going to continue to fight and so is there like room for that or are these things just being passed and no one seems to be able to have a say over them. Um, I think people like are having they- a say. So, like, the, for instance, for gender public schools, these resolutions were passed and have a tremendous amount of support. And so why? Oh, you know, wow. why are they being... Why are people being bamboozled into believing that this is so great and this is how we build a community and this is how we build inclusivity and diversity like there's no diversity here everybody has to think and say exactly the same thing or else and when I say or else it's it's like uh, 
being ostracized from the community. You know, they're outcasts. You're you become like like I would say a, like a Nazi or you're just told that you're a bad person. That's how my son explains it. Even like with his girlfriend, I actually maybe I shouldn't talk about that right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> poor guy. You know, the thing is, is that she's very pro-trans, and I think she's sweetheart. But oh. it, well, literally a minute she finds out someone's like even questioning, going like, hmm, well, maybe boys shouldn't like run in girls' sport in girls' track, and she's like, you're a bad person. <laughs> <gasps> and that's the culture that Denver Public Schools is fostering and oh my creating even because it's and and in my opinion that's a very bullying positive environment. Well, if you don't believe like this, you're a bad person or you know, you can't hang out with us or you can't like that's not good. Well, that's creating like divide and that's not inclusivity. Inclusivity is accepting everyone and their opinion as they are. And so when women are told, no, shut up, you're not a woman, you don't have boobs, you don't have your periods, you can't breastfeed. And I mean, you're taking from us, right? So it's like... And that's why I'm saying like, this is a fundamental conflict where one side just has to give. Because when you say that, then they're like, but you're taking from us. You're not accepting us for who we are. Yeah, but I, I think that accepting them for who they are is men in dresses. That's the, that's the, that's reality. That's, that's what they are. I agree with you. That's okay. the, the right so, angle is for, rather than to force women to expand what it means to be women, why aren't men expanding what it means to be men? Why aren't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, you're, that's so true because it is. It's like they're so. It's. I think it's womb envy. It's always been womb envy. Well, it's. It is like they want to have sure. babies. I hear that. I, you know, and that's where we have to like we have to stand up for ourselves and hardline and be like, your mental illness, not my problem. Your fantasies, not my problem. Your delusions, not my problem. I'm telling you, no. And so then you would also agree that it's like borderline child abuse to allow kids to undergo these like atrocious surgeries so that they can try and fit this, I guess, ideological like thought that they're a male or a female. I think some are absolutely like borderline like Munchausen. Um, I think others are really believe that they're doing the right thing. You know, when you have so many professionals sitting there and saying you have to affirm them, affirm your child or they'll kill themselves. Or or worse, we'll put CPS on you and we'll have your child taken away. And then you have no control and some foster parent is taking them to the doctor and getting their breast removed, right? So that's actually happening right now and so I think it's two things some of the people are absolutely abusing their children and using their children to be popular gain friends have something to talk about I don't know um but then I think some parents are sadly sadly misinformed and and um pressured just 
Yeah, I think that like, especially when it comes to adoptive kids, that there should almost be a law against allowing um, par- like kids to be removed from homes and then the foster parents, well, I guess if you're allowing this quackery to go on, why wouldn't you allow that? But that's such a gross violation of those children's like fundamental human rights to deny them that access to not only their family, but then expose them to this harsh like medical world is... Like, where's the protection for these kids? Like, Well, the lawsuits are coming. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of children had to be harmed in order for people to start waking up. Because right now, that's what's happening. Like, detransitioners are happening. In 2014, I didn't know what a detransitioner was. In 2015, I did not know what a detransitioner was. 2016, I did not know what a detransitioner was. This is new. This is new and they are just, it's like wildfire. You know, it was like one, two, 30, 100. Suddenly all of these, and most, a lot of them are girls. And that's just really, really sad is that they are finally becoming adults. Probably, you know, when the brain finally stops trying to develop. Um, around and and then they're like holy shit what did I do to my body what oh my gosh that's how it is it's terrible and 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 to sit there and be like applauding the lawsuits I feel like now I feel like a bad person because I'm like well finally now you know what I mean like now maybe somebody will wake up and do something because that's what they listen to is money when people start w- winning and they're like, what did you allow me to do to myself when I was a child? I couldn't get a tattoo, but I could cut my breasts off. Like, what? That is a good point that you make there. But I guess it's, hey, it's under the guise of this is a medical problem. It's not mental illness, but it's medically required so that there's this thing about the DSM that kind of bothers me also is that we've taken these disorders out without any scientific, if you believe in scientific proof or study, or it was basically politicians. It was political pressure for sure. And which is also interesting when you look at it from an insurance standpoint, you're like, okay, so it was forced on um, like, governments to pay for because it was considered a necessity like not cosmetic right then Mm -hmm. now it's no longer in the dsm but it still has to be like required to be covered and i'm like well how does that work that's again that kind of like both sides of the equation have to be equal thing like why now if it's no longer a mental health thing are we requiring the state to pay for it you know like i i follow a lot of uk feminists and they're like the nhs cannot afford this why are we paying for this and there's states in the united states that are paying for it and we're like well if it's not a condition why are they paying for it isn't it just cosmetic well maybe i want some cosmetic surgery I'm just going to go and sign up for cosmetic surgery and I want the state to pay for it and it'll make me feel better. How come I don't qualify? It is. It's such a like dangerous like situation. And it's like, how do you, cause it is, it's like, but then 
there's a lot of like also people who have went through these transitions and then there's like like you said earlier like what have i done oh yeah like the scars and like i've seen some where they like take like from their knee to their hip and they just like like mutilate it absolutely i've seen like really terrible things in young women's arms and uh yeah and and we're talking complications like cancer that end up happening like the higher rate of cancer for women who have taken testosterone just all kinds of things that we don't even know completely of what we're doing because it's new yeah and so i don't know i guess at the end of the day it's thankfully people like you and i who are kind of being like hey wait a minute and willing to kind of face that cancel culture if you will because of it right because i think that sex-based rights are a very very important topic and we should never lose sight of them because look at what has happened i agree with you and i am i just love that jk rowling stood up for us you know we needed more we still do we need a more famous and influential people and people with money to stand up because like that's where i'm having a problem right now i'm like you know i'm a a working class family and I paid the lawyer already we have like the next payment ready and I'm raising money (laughs) and I'm like this this is part of the problem like it's when we were talking about it earlier of like how do we fight back or like are the making these policies without anyone knowing and I didn't think of it then but I'm thinking of it now and part of the problem is also that look how many of the families are also working class in Denver public schools or or on reduced lunch so even if their families had something to say about it too are they gonna spend the money to get a lawyer I mean like my lawyers quoting this at over fifty thousand dollars and so I'm having to raise every penny in order to continue to proceed so like we'll see how far I get you know and like the director of the board, Tay Anderson, was laughing about that. And like, you're laughing because women are disenfranchised from the court system because we don't have the financial means to attain it. Like, that's not social justice, dude. Um, but it's benefiting him. So it's really funny to him, I guess, whenever it benefits him. And that's oppression. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't stand the inconsistency there so if people wanted to like support your litigation though could they just donate directly to you or do you have a place where they could provide you with some funds because I I know that you were kind of having some issues with a like a fundraising website as a result of being a woman um so GoFundMe um, suspended my campaign and refunded all the money I had raised and I had raised almost $500 in like two days and so that one was actually like going pretty good and I was really excited about it we were catching steam and um, I wasn't notified that people contacted GoFundMe but I'm not stupid and then GoFundMe sent me an email that said I had violated some of their terms of service and then they just completely banned me from the site and wouldn't even respond to my messages and then so I went on to another crowdfunder called FreeFunder and this company actually surprisingly 
gave me a detailed message back and confirmed my suspicions that they were blown up by trans activists just telling them that I'm a horrible person and that I'm a bigot and I'm a transphobe and that they need to suspend my campaign because um, that's how that they're a good company. And so basically the company sided with men again and suspended my campaign. So now I'm, I finally, the third time around, I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of play their own game. I'm going to contact the company because that's what they were doing. They were contacting the company on me and I'm going to explain it ahead of time and say, like, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to fight for women's sex-based rights. I'm upset about XYZ. You know, like I totally wrote them an email and explained and they said that they would host my crowdfunder. And so it's a Christian site though which is totally bizarre to me because i'm like i am not i am not i um am not a I, I well i am a republican now i'm a registered republican but i'm not a conservative so in the last month i've kind of like teamed up with christian conservatives to try and help women and that's just it blows my mind because that's that's awesome no it's not typically like the group associate with being like so pro-woman but I, I do say that it's for the wrong reasons but that's for another show um, <laughs> um so if anybody wants to help me i have lots of ways that you can you can go to give send go is the crowdfunder and then just look it up under my name gina hoke and it's j-e-a-n-n-a-h-o-c-h so give send go.com forward slash gina hoke and that's my crowdfunder. And then, of course, I'm on Patreon. You could subscribe monthly because I'm donating all my monthly um, subscription money to this cause now. And then I'm also a cash app, Canamama. I got PayPal, Venmo. Like, just hit me up. If you want to help me, like, we will find a way. And then if you can't afford to, just share. Like, I need some shares. I need some love. And, like, it's really powerful just to see women saying... I'm, I'm gonna come out of a closet and I'm gonna say that I'm a feminist and this shit's not okay. Like, so that's super powerful too. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good message. Thank you. And so you're hoping to file litigation against the, like, the director? Uh, I mean, actually, you know, my lawyer and I haven't exactly talked about what. I am calling it a legal challenge because I am absolutely, I hired a lawyer to, to challenge the school district on a legal basis. And we don't know if yep. we'll actually end up in litigation or not, but that's why I'm raising the money in case we do. I mean, I, both oh, nice. parties yep. would probably prefer to stay out of court, but if they want to go to court, then I guess that's what we're going to have to do because in my opinion, the and my lawyer's opinion and my supporters opinion and feminist opinion like jk rowling like we can't just indoctrinate children through public schools and force you know little girls to accept penis as part of their sex class that's just it's not acceptable to say that men are women that boys are girls and to confuse children in this manner, all in the name of inclusivity, inclusivity, excuse me. Um, and so that's my position. Like I, I feel like my family and my children have been bullied. 
my children are being forced into compelled speech into a belief system that we don't subscribe to and and i say it this way as well like if this was the school district telling um their faculty that after every um communication with children and families that they had to sign off with god bless amen people would be losing their shit but as it's signed off with pronouns, it's considered acceptable. And I'm like, but it's not because it's compelled speech. And it also signifies immediately political affiliation, which has no place in public schools. So yeah, I'm ready to battle it out. And I don't really know what that means yet. <laughs> I just know that um, we're gonna be talking to Denver Public Schools lawyers because now no teachers, no principals, no counselors, nobody will speak to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and that's terrible because that's just, just an example of the way in which they work, right? They're not willing to negotiate it to their way or no way in this. Yeah, it is, it's become this like dangerous like climate to be a woman, even more dangerous because it's always been dangerous totally. to be a woman. Mm-hmm. You. Awesome. And so in terms of your cannabis work, you're on idle kind of. I'm kind of am, but at the same time, I'm looking at ways to kind of get back into it too and just start working in because obviously I'm working. So I'm like. Oh, but you just had your baby too though. So you want to take that. I did. We had so much fun and now she's a little stinker running all over the place. Like, mom, off me. Aww. Go do your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> growing up time goes i guess hey. it's crazy uh, well it's been a pleasure talking to you i could talk to you all uh, night you, you're interesting and you're smart and articulate and i would just love to have you back once you have any new developments in um the gender-based stuff or sex-based i should say because it's gender that is changeable it's sex yes that it I would say definitely sex erasure or gender identity ideology because I believe it is just, it's a belief system that they're trying to force us all into. Yeah, and it's just not right. We can be, like everyone can identify as they are without having to take from others. And I think that people aren't realizing the taking part and once it's taken, it'll be hard to get back. Uh, but yeah, I'm here for the fight. So yeah, I'll definitely come back and chat with you again. I would love to. Sounds good. It was great meeting you. You take care. And again, anytime you just let me know and we'll chit chat about your endeavors. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Much love. Take care. Bye.